Hi, I'm Jay Donsinghani, founder of All Over Cricket and host of the All Over Cricket podcast. For episode 8, we're joined by Warwickshire Central Sparks and Birmingham Phoenix fast bowler Izzy Wong. 19-year-old Izzy Wong has already been clocked at over 70 miles an hour and has expressed her desire to become the world's fastest female bowler. But there's so much more to Izzy's story than just being that girl who wants to hit 80 clicks. If you enjoy our chat, visit us at allovercrick.com where you can sign up to our email newsletter and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at allovercrick. Anyway, I'll stop talking now and hand things over to Izzy. Welcome to episode eight of the All Over Cricket podcast. Today's guest is yet to be capped at international level, but you can find her in action at the 100 for the Birmingham Phoenix, who played their first game on the 23rd of July. I'm talking, of course, of Izzy Wong. Izzy, thank you so much for coming on the All Over Cricket podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Izzy? We're going to start at a bit of an unconventional starting point. Um, as a fellow Hong Konger, hashtag 852, you know I have to start with this. Just talk us through, you know, some of your family history and, you know, how that relates into your the start of your cricketing journey. Yeah, so um, like you kind of alluded to, so my great-great-uncle, um, Donald Anderson, um he was he was a batting all-rounder um I think he played his first game for Hong Kong at 17 I think he was the youngest youngest player to play for Hong Kong at the time he he debuted and that was in 1929 I want to say um so he yeah he was he was pretty good apparently um and then he was enlisted um into the war um in December 1941 and uh, unfortunately was killed in the war. So kind of a, sh- a short career for him. But yeah, so way back then, it was kind of a bit of cricket into my, in my blood. But um, I was, it was all pretty un- unknown to me when I started playing cricket aged five or six in the playground at school. I'd never really known any of that and just kind of enjoyed cricket and then later found that out. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty cool. Yeah, wow. Oh, my God. Uh, I think your dad sent you a bunch of information as well on 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 your family history, and yeah, I mean, nineteen twenty. Oh, that was a long time ago. I, I'd be surprised if anyone in Hong Kong cricketing circles, you know, <laughs> too many people could still recall those details. So, I mean, that is that is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I was saying, you know, just talk us through, you know, the start of your cricketing journey as well, and. Um, you know, if you had any heroes or or mentors or idols growing up. Yeah. So like I said earlier, I started playing uh, kind of age five or six, like an after school club at school. So that was just, just fun, really. Um, I just tried it as a by chance, really. I just thought, oh, that's not kind of fun. Like, let's 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 go. Um, and yeah, loved it. Um, started playing for club. They were like, oh, like we want to, we used to play for county. I was like, oh, like I didn't. I was like nine at the time. I was like, I don't know what this means, but yeah, sure. Um, and yeah, it was it was really good fun and really enjoyed it. So kind of kept going. Um, in terms of early heroes, um, I I guess kind of until I got to kind of like that nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen sort of age, I hadn't really watched much cricket. Um, but obviously. 
you know, Jimmy Anderson was running in, opening the bowling for England at the time. So, you know, he, he's pretty good, isn't he? Um, and mm-hmm. then Catherine Brunt was obviously doing the same for the women. So, you know, to look at someone like Catherine and think, oh, like that's a woman doing doing what I, doing what I want to do. You know, that was pretty cool as well. Um, mentors, there's been a couple um, kind of so far, but I think of at school, um, the head of cricket at school is Mr. Barnard, um, absolute legend of the game. Um, just, just upfront, but you know, will tell you what you need to hear, which is you know often a really good thing, especially you know, at kind of fourteen, fifteen. Sometimes what you what you need to hear isn't what you want to hear, but you know, he was always always up for having those conversations with me and keep me on the straight and narrow. So you know. He's he's been a massive, massive, massive influence, really. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Catherine Brunt as well. Two episodes ago, that duel between uh, Brunt and and Shafali Varma, it was it was a big part, a big feature on our episode, and it was just it was just so great to watch because they just kept going at each other. But Catherine, with that fast bowler's temperament, she was never shy of digging it in. And uh, you know, I guess on that on that topic. When did you realize, like, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm quick, I'm really quick, and I'm really, really good at this. When did you realize that? And when did you realize, oh my god, I have a chance of actually going pro? I, I wouldn't say there was any sort of like re- realization. I'd say I was, I, I was very competitive from a young age. So I was, you know, playing in the playground six, seven, eight, nine, you know, and it was, you know, a couple of girls, but mostly boys and. Like in my head, I was just trying to be better than the next kid. It didn't matter if they were a boy or a girl. I was just trying to be better than them. Um, uh, so I guess I just kind of kept pushing myself like that. Um, in terms of when did I realise, oh, like this could be a career? Um, I'm actually really fortunate because of my age. Um, by the time I was old enough to kind of have the awareness of you need to get a job at some stage and you need to earn money in order to live. Um, the England women's team had actually kind of just gone professional, I think. So, like in my head, it was always like, if you want to play cricket for a living, like you got to play for England. And I was like, playing cricket for England would be pretty cool. So, like let's 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 try and do that. And then, kind of coming out of school was the first. I finished school last last July, and that's that's literally when the regional retainers came in, the regional contracts came in. So. You know, I'm at a really fortunate age where it's it's all kind of evolved with, you know, it just in time for me, really. So, you know, it's it's super exciting, but I'd, I'd never really kind of thought anything different. You know, I'd never wanted to be anything other than a cricketer, really, apart from when I wanted to be an astronaut when I was like five. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like I said, just really fortunate my age, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you mentioned the astronaut thing, actually. I was I was talking to a friend earlier today and apparently the number of astronauts by the year 2050 is going to increase something like 60 or 70 fold. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, cricket sort of career for me. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm qualified, but you know, I'd be up for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying it's, it's not a bad backup plan. Astronaut. The, those are your two options pro cricket or astronaut. I guess they're both high growth industries right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> In any case, you know, getting back to cricket, of course, um, in February, you did get the opportunity to travel with the senior team to New Zealand. Uh, just talk us through, you know, what, what that did, um, you know, in terms of your development and, and lessons you learned from that trip. 
that was just it was just the most amazing trip really um I think we were away for like six weeks and it was like you know obviously two week quarantine at the start and even that I was like this is really cool and then we kind of got let out of the hotel I was like oh my god this is even cooler um so yeah I think like you said you know there's so much experience in that dressing room as well and kind of such a, a varied of a variety even of skill sets and personalities and stuff and there was just I think so much to learn from you know everyone in that camp you know not just the players but the staff as well and you know I really enjoyed the whole trip I think if you look at like I said earlier someone like Catherine who's she's been there for so long she's got so much experience to try and tap into and and learn off and but equally you know the you know I felt the guys made me feel really at home um they're you know really good group of girls and you know it was just it was good fun being away from them and you know I definitely learned a lot as well yeah, no doubt. Well, what sorts of things did Catherine talk to you about and relay to you? We spoke a lot about, um, we spoke a bit about fields and kind of approaching different areas of the game, um, like tactically, but also kind of temperament off the pitch and, you know, how she kind of goes about her business. And um, obviously as she's getting older, she's, you know, she's got so much knowledge on how to keep herself going and, yeah, it's just really interesting to kind of listen to how she approaches, you know, off on the field stuff, but also off the field stuff as well. Yeah, no doubt. And I think there was a documentary on on Sky Sports and it's on the YouTube channel, on Sky Sports' YouTube channel as well. But Catherine Brunt, you know, in, in high school, she didn't, in, in high school or I believe they call it secondary school in the UK, it, w- it wasn't the easiest time for her. I think she struggled a lot with, with her weight and, you know, with mental health as well. So I'm sure, you know, someone as experienced as her, both on the field, but also what she's been through off the field and also what she's overcome over there. It must be, it must be an invaluable experience to, to have her to, to lean on for advice. Definitely, definitely. But I think, you know, like you said, mentally as well, you know, all the rest of the girls have they've kind of they've been there and done that and being away from home and you know more recently being in kind of COVID secure bubbles you know and it, I think it definitely takes its toll on you so to kind of just you know they know it and they kind of understand and they you know just seeing how they kind of go about tours and you know the COVID bubbles now to just keep themselves going and you know it's switching off from the cricket because you know it's hard I think when you're away sometimes to and you're surrounded by people who you know, you all play cricket together and the coaches and stuff to actually, when you're not on the pitch, just switch off from the cricket and, you know, talk about other things. But I think that's a massive part of it and kind of seeing how they go about that as well and how they feel their time off the pitch to to kind of keep their momentum going on the pitch is really, really interesting. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, on the topic of that mental side, I'm, I'm actually interested to know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, what, what Catherine's been through. We touched on it briefly. But, you know, what would you say is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome so far in in your career? And, you know, how did you overcome it? Um, I'd probably say so a couple of a couple of years ago, I think 2018. So what's that three years ago? Um, I actually had glandular fever. Um, I kind of I got to like the it's at the end of the cricket season. It's so like October, not, not October, um, August, September sort of time. And I was feeling a bit, bit ropey. Um, and I remember like I had the last game of the season, um, got back to school and within three days I was like in hospital with glandular fever. Um, 
And I think my body just kind of thought, no, we've we've had enough for now. You know, in the cricket season, I kind of just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And then, you know, eventually it was like, no, no, we've had enough. Um, so, you know, that was pretty tough. Obviously, you've got to be quite careful coming back from glandular fever on how quickly you do stuff and, you know, energy and stuff like that. It's just so draining. Um, so like, I was probably sleeping 20 hours a day at one stage and, um, I was kind of, I think I was off sport for about, about three, four months. I just couldn't do anything. Um, I think that was quite hard as well. Cause that was, that was the first, so like a month, two months after that, I got picked on the, um, the England women's Academy training squad. So kind of just below the Academy, um, and kind of going to all the induction camps and stuff like that and not being able to do anything was, I found that really hard actually just kind of seeing everyone else cracking on and playing cricket and having fun and getting better as well. And I was just kind of sat on the sideline like, oh, I wish I could do that. And then, you know, actually having to listen to the medical staff and be like, no, I've got to like, I've got to be sensible and kind of kind of get back to, to fitness. I think that was, that was quite hard for me. I'm, I've always been a, like an, a, my mom calls me an, an all or nothing person or a human human hurricane she calls me sometimes because I'm just trying to do everything at once and trying to do it all you know this 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 and to actually not do anything was yeah it was really different actually um in terms of coming back from that it was like I said just trying to listen to the medical staff and as much as I wanted to play cricket trying to fill my time with other stuff so I was playing the guitar a bit more I was you know at school I was really focusing on trying to get ahead of my studies um and then you know when I when I did come back kind of gradually starting back in January February sort of time and you know it was luckily enough to go on a tour in April and yeah just just I think by listening to that advice and by filling my time with other stuff um enabled me to get back in as good a as good a position as I could really just just walk us through some of your on-field development in uh the last two seasons yeah um two seasons ago, what was that so that was Warwickshire and then kind of Vipers in the back end so um I don't think so I think actually I was I was probably happier with that season than I was last season to a certain extent I think that season you know we had a really successful county campaign winning the T20s um and then to kind of get picked up and play in the KSL you know even though I didn't I didn't play that many matches you know I was I was probably at the stage where I was just happy to be around and kind of, you know, learning off the overseas guys, the international guys. And, you know, I made some really good friendships with the Vipers girls as well. Um, some of the younger guys, especially. And I think that was a massive summer for me in terms of learning. And, you know, I really enjoyed my cricket that year. I think I necess didn't necessarily perform as, as well as I have in other seasons, but I think, you know, I really enjoyed that season from, you know, just making friendships and enjoying cricket. I think that's a massive thing for me. If I'm not enjoying it, then it's I kind of, you know, what's what's the point? And you're not always going to enjoy things. And that's where you've got to work out what you really want and how much you want to push yourself and do things you don't want to do. But fundamentally, if, for me, if I'm enjoying my cricket, then I'm, I'm going to work hard and I'm, I'm hopefully going to get better. So, yeah, I think that was a really, really exciting summer for me, you know, with the KSL obviously last summer was kind of really weird um with COVID because you know usually we start in like the end of April and then like by May and June it's properly kicked off whereas you know we didn't start training until June and then it was kind of building up and building up and I played I think I played three games last year and 
obviously was in the bubble so there was lots of learnings and stuff there but you know it was all a bit kind of stop starting okay we're doing this now we're not doing that and we're doing this and we're not doing that so yeah last season was really hard because just to get any momentum I think um and obviously with momentum you kind of you play more games and you get better so I think that's what I've really enjoyed this year we've just played so many more games and that's kind of enabled me to 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 sh- show off my new skill set that I've worked recently, but also to kind of make mistakes. And I think that's how you play in games, you try things, you make mistakes, you go back to the drawing board, you say, okay, what happened here? Like, was the plan bad? Did I execute it badly? If I execute it badly, let's work on it, let's get better. If the plan was bad, right, we need a new plan. And yeah, I think those games are really where, you know, personally, I find my game moves on so much because by seeing what's happening in those games, I can kind of evaluate what I've been working on and kind of work out what, what I need to do in training to prepare myself really. Yeah. I guess my next question is with, with the 41 uh, contracts awarded across the five regions, you know, how, how has that changed things on a day-to-day basis with the way you train compared to, you know, a couple of years ago? I think um, for me, it's kind of interesting because obviously it's my first year being at school. So for me, it's quite different because, you know, I was at school training, you know, most days. Um, Gwen Davies is, she's one of our pros at the Central Sparks. She's also my teacher at school. So, you know, I trained with her most days at school anyway. Um, and now we're just doing it, but not at school. So, but I think that kind of, that, I'm trying to think of the word, but we're, that continuity of, you know, you're training three, four, five times a week and you can just get so much more volume in and so much more momentum with it. Um, you know, that's not been there in the past. And I think for me coming out of school for, for well, even two years ago, one year ago, I'd have had to go to university potentially to just, you know, give myself the time to study or, you know, get a job. And now I can actually just, just focus on the cricket and, kind of work everything else around that which is quite nice that the cricket is the main focus and then it's okay I've got free afternoon here like what am I going to do there you know am I going to coach am I going to go for a coffee am I going to sit and play on my playstation you know what's what's going to help me recover but you know what's going to make me happy um so I think that's a massive thing but you know there are older guys you look at someone like a like an Eve Jones or a Marie Kelly who've you know, they've kind of gone to uni, they've they've had jobs here and there, for them to actually be able to focus on their cricket. And even there, even though they're older, you know, you know, they've come on so much as well. I think we all have just from having that that freedom of you can train this much and that's okay and you've got the financial backing for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it, it's so great to see I'm I'm not gonna say the the parody with the men, because we still have some way to go in that respect. But like you said, just being able to focus on cricket as as someone who's trying to play for your country or someone who's playing at an elite level, it's 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 great that that's actually an option now for for women's cricketers in England. And I guess that that leads us on to a really good segue. Um, let, let's talk about the hundred this season. You know the the opportunity to play with and to play against some I mean, some of the best female talent. I mean, except for a lot of the Australian players who pulled out, but otherwise, some, I mean, on on Birmingham Phoenix itself, you you know you've got Shafali, and you have a whole host of 
really good replacements for for some of the Australians who've um, unfortunately won't be able to compete this year. So, you know, just just talk us through how important the 100 is and playing with the best cricketers in the country and some of the best cricketers around the world and what that could do for your development. Look, 100 is massive. Um, I think I think for the women's game especially, it is so big because, like you said, the kind of parity with the men's game that the 100 is bringing, you know, we're on the same platform as them, you know, we've got the same, we're in the same clubs as them. I think that's, that's really important for us. Um, and it's, you know, giving the women's game just that bigger platform to to grow because, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's growing at an exponential rate and the hundred is just accelerating that. And, you know, hopefully other sports can look at how the hundred's running it and think, you know what, they're doing it right. Let's take a leaf out of their books. Um, in terms of playing with, you know, the, the best in the world, well, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? You know, we look at someone like Shafali, um, our other overseas, Katie Mack and Erin Burns, you know, they've all got so much experience in playing in, you know, whether it be World Cups, whether it be big bashes, you know. I think that experience is something that we're all, you know, really keen to learn off and tap into as much as we can. And, you know, like you said, they are they are outstanding players in their own right. It doesn't matter who who was meant to come. You know, we've we've ended up with three quality overseas and Obviously, we've got, you know, the international girls like Amy Jones, Georgia Elvis as well. So I think, you know, it's really exciting to kind of be playing alongside these guys and learning off them and hopefully watching them put in some spectacular performances for Birmingham this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be a really exciting tournament, especially, you know, with the, with the curtain raiser being, being a woman's game. Um, so, yeah, like you said, just the men and women playing together it's it, it could be a great example for other sports to follow so yeah and you know, I, I i find it interesting because there is all this negativity about the hundred and i guess we're not gonna we're not really gonna go into you know some of the rules and stuff like that i don't think that's relevant to the discussion but i feel like all of that at least in my opinion is is countered by the fact that you have you know, a lot of women's matches being broadcast on television and um, and I think the Sky Sports YouTube channel for the ones that aren't going to be on TV. And that's that's just that's just so it's it's massive. I, you know, despite COVID and despite, you know, the disruptions to, you know, the international schedule and the domestic schedule last year. I feel like the last two years, they've been path breaking for for the women's game in England. Massively, massively. I think, like you said, you know, despite COVID, the, you know, the ECB and what the 100 are doing is they're really backing the women's game. And I think, you know, in the situation we've been in the last couple of years with COVID, it would have, you know, it would have been easy for them to say, no, like we've got bigger, we've got bigger things to do right now. You know, we're in a global pandemic, but actually, you know, they've, they've stuck with what they were going to do. And, you know, look at the, you know, we've now got the Rachel Hayhoe, we've got, the Charlotte Edwards Cup, and now we've got the 100 as well. You know, that's three massive competitions for us. And, you know, we're playing more cricket than ever. And, you know, I think that's that's something that really needs to be applauded given the current circumstances. You know, a lot of a lot of sports are seeing, you know, ca- cancelled competitions and, you know, that people are getting less than they were a couple of years ago. Whereas actually, especially in the women's game and so, and also in the men's game, you know, we're getting we're getting more than we've ever we've ever got before. So, that is really exciting and you know the the hundred is adding to that and 
it is just super exciting to be playing more cricket despite you know covid and obviously the regulations and stuff you know we want it to be safe but it's just so exciting that we can actually get some live sport on and you know like you said you know sky bbc you know it's getting the it's getting the the platform to you know for people to watch it and hopefully young boys and girls can see it on youtube or see it on telly or see it live and say you know what this is for me and maybe this isn't cricket or maybe this isn't playing in front of 20,000 people at Edgebass and maybe this is picking up a ball in the garden or maybe this is just sport in general it doesn't have to be cricket it's you know it's about getting kids active and involved and if it's cricket then fantastic but the way I see it you know if they're active I don't care if you know I don't care if they're playing hockey I don't care if they're playing you know tennis if it's cricket if it's golf you know whatever makes people happy, then great. And if we can hopefully with a hundred inspire more people to get involved in sport in general, but you know, ideally cricket, but it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter for me as long as more people can see people playing sport, watching sport and having fun. then that's fantastic. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, some of the games are on, on YouTube. They're getting a lot of views. I, th- I think there was a game recently between um, an Irish select 11 and, and um, a Lancashire 11. And it broke the hundred thousand view mark, and this was, you know, and this this was really I I don't I don't want to say an exhibition game, but this was not part of any specific competition, and still, you know, you have a hundred thousand views on on a game like that, um, absolute absolutely massive, and I don't think we would have we wouldn't have seen this, um, you know, maybe four or five years ago, but with technology improving and the advent of streaming. And perhaps even a lot of people being locked down at home and I guess just streaming more sports and more TV shows and all of that, that's, it's, it's, it's been massive for the visibility of the women's game. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, what you said about the Irish girls and the, the Lancashire girls, that game, it shows you that if you put, if you put it on, people will watch it. And if you put it out there, people will watch it. And I think that's been a massive thing, you know, across the domestic stuff for the women's game last year because obviously you know other than the final last year none of our games were on sky but people and behind being behind closed doors people couldn't come to watch so trying to get that engagement through streams has been massive and I think it's worked you know like you're saying the, the numbers are going through the roof and it's hopefully we're engaging with people but you know it's showing that the clubs and the the ECB are they're putting it out there to be watched and people people want to watch it. So, you know, that's really exciting for us as players and really exciting. And like you said, it probably wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. So just to see the direction that the women's game's going in is really exciting. Yep. And I guess uh, just to rewind a little bit, um, you know, you did speak about Mr. Barnard um, in your in your teenage years. And it's really important to have these, I guess, a, a mentor's, a group of mentors or a support system, you know, in, in those early formative years of your uh, career, you know, just talk us through, you know, once again, perhaps Mr. Barnard and also, I guess, maybe the role of your family and anyone else who was really supportive at that young age. Yeah. So Barn is the, he's the head of cricket at Shrewsbury. Um, kind of the first couple of years, he was just, he was really good. Um, just like I said, kind of keeping me on the straight and narrow, making sure I've got the, got the all the support I need in terms of coaching in terms of um, S&C so like fitness um, also in terms of you know who I was playing for like Izzy who are you going to play for this week you know there's an under 15s cup match for the boys 
the girls' first team have also got a game, you know, how can we balance that? And together with Gwen, they were really good, kind of just sorting me out. But um, the last two years, so in kind of sixth form, so from 16 to 18, he was, um, they call it a tutor. So he just kind of looked after my kind of schedule and my studies as well. Um, and he was just really good, kind of fighting my corner. Um, if there was, you know, if I had to miss a lesson because I had a, a fixture or a training camp at Loughborough, then, you know, he was just really good about speaking to my teachers and saying, yep, yeah, look, she'll catch up. We promise she'll catch up. Just, you know, she's got to go to this. And, you know, to be fair, the teachers were all fantastic with that as well. You know, they got it. And that's that's really good. Um, but off the, pitch, off the pitch as well and off the, away from school, he was, you know, he was, he was really just a nice guy and you know I felt like I could talk to him about anything I needed to and he kind of understood you know he understood cricket as well his son is Ed Barnard plays for plays for Worcester so you know he's kind of he understands what's going on and um how the kind of land lies and if it was I needed to have a chat with a coach from Warwickshire he's more than happy to kind of sit in with those chats and just just make sure everything everything's going you know well for me um in terms of my parents you know, they were fantastic all the way through, you know, they whether it was driving three hours to Buckingham through away when I was 10 to watch me and I'd probably got a duck and bowled a pile of rubbish and then got in the car and was really moody with them on the way home. But, you know, we did it again two days later and, you know, they were fantastic with that. But, you know, also my little brother, you know, the amount of times he's had to sit in a car all day in the summer because I've got a game and, you know, he's got to come with, me and whichever parent was taking me to watch and he's probably watched far more cricket than anyone else I've ever met really but you know I really appreciate all three of them for that really and you know now you know I'm a bit older I can drive myself and but you know my mum and dad still love coming and I'm sure we're going to persuade my little brother to, to come to a few games this summer and you know it's it's nice that you know that hopefully they're enjoying it too but you know I am really thankful for the kind of support that they've given me like all the way from when I was five really you know they always said to me like, if you don't enjoy something let's stop and I think that was you know that was really important for you know both me and my brother like if we're not enjoying something then why are we doing it and I think that's really translating to where I where I am today you know when I'm training I'm trying to always trying to do it with a smile on my face and enjoy it and I think you get so much out of things more of things when you enjoy them and you have fun and that's that's what you kind of remember you don't remember what you bowled or if you bowled well or if you bowled badly you remember how you feel and you know you remember if you feel fantastic but equally if you messed up you probably don't remember what you messed up you just remember feeling awful so I think the more you can try and feel good about what you're doing and enjoy it and have fun then the better really yeah no doubt did, did you play any other sports or have any other extracurricular activities yeah, so I I played what I play. I played a lot of tennis when I was like pretty young. So kind of um, up to the age of eleven, I was playing tennis. Um, I kind of stopped that then. I obviously did a bit of swimming and stuff when I was younger. Um, then I did a bit of I did a bit of football. Um, I was a goalie because uh, I was really bad with my feet. So I worked out. I was just a bit of a nutter and would chuck myself at the ball. So goalie was probably what I needed to do. Um, that kind of translated into doing a bit of hockey goalkeeping um, when I got to Shrewsbury and started, I played a couple of games. I played for the second team for a season there and, you know, I just had fun with it really. It wasn't ever anything serious. I just had fun. Um, and then actually um, there's a sport called fives 
Um, it's quite a, like a niche sport, but they play it at Shrewsbury, um, eating fives and you kind of have like gloves on your hands. It's a bit like squash. Um, and yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Actually, um, had great fun with that. And, you know, I played, you know, we competed quite, quite well for that. So, um, that was quite a nice switch off from cricket actually to actually compete to a decent level at another sport was, yeah, it was, it was nice that, you know, everything's not cricket, cricket, cricket. It's interesting. You mentioned fives because I'm completely blanking on the name of the sport, but in, in, in North America and a large part of the world, there's actually a name for that sport. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to Google it. And okay. when, when I find out, I'll, I'll send you a message and tell you what yeah. that sport is. But no, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's really important to have all this choice. And like you said, if you're not enjoying it, then what's the point? Um, and I guess speaking of enjoying yourself in the cricket field, my next question, you know, what's, what's your most memorable performance on, on the cricket field, whether that's as a professional or, you know, in, in, in your younger formative years um there's a couple that spring to mind i think um a couple of years ago we played um we had under 17s like for warwickshire um we had like national finals we managed to win that um i think i took the, the winning wicket and i just i think that that moment is probably better than anything else to me in sport because you know it's I think when you when you get 100 there's kind of a build up to it and you you know it's you you know you're on you're on 80 then you're on 90 and it's kind of the anticipation and then almost relief but when you get a wicket and especially if it's a big one you know to to win a national final in a tight game you know there's kind of that moment of like just excitement of like we've done it and that that moment is probably better than lifting a trophy because you know, even with the trophy, like, you know, it's coming, it's like, ah, oh, but whereas that, that it's kind of take, almost takes you by surprise. And that's like just pure joy, I'd say. Um, but probably more recently in terms of a, a day in general, I think when we played the Vipers at Hove um, about, about a month ago, probably now, um, you know, the Vipers are obviously unbeaten and to, to win the game in the fashion that we did and, you know, for M to be bowling as she did and, I think we bowled really well as a pair that day as well, but you know, she, she was fantastic. And to that kind of whole team performance was, you know, it was really fulfilling. I think it's more the word for that one that, you know, we've put a lot of hard work in over the winter last season, we probably weren't where we wanted to be. And now to, to go and play the reigning champs, they're unbeaten ever at their home ground and be able to say, you know what, like, this is what, this is the hard work we've put in. And, you know, this is, this is where we are now. I think that was a really fulfilling day um, in that, in that respect. Yeah. I, I can imagine that that must've been a, must've been a great victory. And um, M as well, she's been around the national setup recently. Also um, a, a just reward for, um, you know, her returns in the recent past. And, you know, I, I can't believe, you know, we've been talking for over half an hour and it's the elephant in the room. I mean, you know, this is this is the Izzy Wong brand. You know, you are the fastest bowler in the country. Um, and let's just talk about fast bowling and, and your approach to fast bowling. Do, do you like do you train with a speed gun? Do you have like some sort of personal best that you're always trying to beat? Like just just talk us through that. 
I don't I wouldn't I don't actually kind of train with Spiegel or anything like that I mean I think the the way my coach kind of says it is you know you're quick enough now but you know you need to get your other not your other skills but kind of consistency up there and stuff like that so a lot of the training I do in cricket is actually you know very much based on okay like firstly is my action good? Am I? Does it feel repeatable? Have I got rhythm? And then at the other end, am I am I executing what I want to execute? You know, can can I can I work on a slower ball? Can I can I nail my Yorkers? Can I, you know, if fifty over cricket? Can I just be really boring and run up and bowl ten overs and just try and hit the top of off every single ball? And so yeah, I'd say most of the training I kind of do is around that. Um, obviously, the gym work and stuff is a lot based on kind of getting stronger, getting getting more powerful, and that translates, you know, pretty directly into bowling. But also, you know, can I get fitter and can I can I do it for longer? Because, you know, it's great being able to bowl a seven over spell and keep my skills, but can I bowl a ten over spell and still have ball number sixty being at the same intensity and the same level as ball number one? So I think there's kind of a lot of stuff that ties into it, but I wouldn't say it's a direct it's not a direct focus at all, actually. It's just you know, can I can I execute while I want to execute? And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But you know, that's the gym stuff is kind of taking care of that. And you know, on the on in the training nets and stuff, it's very much focused on. All right, have I have I executed when I what I want to execute? Yeah, it's it's interesting to hear you say that because I think the perception with you know someone who comes with the, with the tag and the label of of a genuinely quick bowler. And you know numbers start flashing in your head that that you know that magical you know 80 mile an hour or 130 kilometer an hour number keeps flashing in your head but it's interesting to hear you say that it, it kind of just dispels this notion that you know that's who you are you are the quick bowler um it, it certainly sounds like you're you're trying to develop a lot more of a of a i guess well-rounded game yeah definitely definitely i think you know like you said that perception is probably out there and um but, you know, it's really not the case. You know, that's not a, it's not a focus for us at all. That, you know, obviously me and M, you know, we're, we're, we complement each other really nicely, but there's no competition from any aspect, from any respect on, you know, who can bowl the fastest because we just know we're different, we're different bowlers and we've got different roles. And, you know, all the work we do together is how can we complement each other? And, you know, whether that's, you know, obviously she's, I'm five foot six and a half and she's six foot one, I think. So, you know, some days it's okay, right. Em, you're going to hit, you're going to hit people in the head and I'm going to, I'm just going to keep, keep going at the stumps. And then some days it's, you know, okay, I'm a bit shorter. So they're probably not expecting it from me. So can I bang it in short and Em, you go fuller and, you know, we'll try and catch them out like that. So I think, you know, there's no competition between me and Em. It's just, you know, we just I think we've worked really well together this last last 12 months or so to to try and do the best role as a pair for the team, whether that be for the Sparks or for the Phoenix now. Just to circle back to the whole Hong Kong connection. Um, you know, when, when's have you ever visited Hong Kong? When when's the last time you were in Hong Kong? So I've never actually been to Hong Kong. So my granddad is currently in Hong Kong. Um, obviously, travel regulations recently, I've not been able to go. And when I was younger, obviously, I was kind of at, at school. And then 
Um, in the summer, it was very much cricket. So, you know, the big summer holidays in the UK, I just spent like the whole time playing cricket. So we never really had the chance to go out, but it's certainly something I'm keen to do. I know my mum went a couple of years ago um, just to kind of see things. And my dad used to go a lot as a kid and, you know, um, but it is definitely somewhere I'd like to go. You know, I've got, a, I've got quite a big connection to Hong Kong. I think my, I think what I'm just looking here and those my dad said, my my uncle or my great uncle, um, Rob Nolasco, I think he took, he, my dad's got the stat here, he took 63 wickets at 12.73 um, in 1964 to 1965. Um, and then he kind of picked up a shoulder injury and didn't play again. But, you know, I've got a couple of family members who've represented Hong Kong to, you know, the highest, highest level. So it's definitely somewhere I'd like to go and kind of meet the people and really get a feel for the, the the place and the culture and, you know, the people and how sport kind of ties into that. You know, it's definitely something I, I, I love traveling. Um, obviously I'm still quite young, so I've not done, you know, I've, I've not done excessive amounts on my own, but it's definitely somewhere I'm really keen to come and, you know, explore and really, really get to know. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, 10% of our listeners are based in Hong Kong for obvious reasons. And I'm open to the idea that five of those 10% are probably my mom. But <laughs> in any case, you know, it, it would be, it would, you know, it's that, that's why that's not the only reason I wanted to record this podcast, actually. It's just it's just a fun bonus. But um, no, I certainly hear what you're saying. I guess that perhaps just wasn't a lot of time to travel with uh, all the school and the training and everything like that. You obviously have ambitions to play for England and you have been around, um, you have been around the girls in the last couple of months on, on more than one occasion, you know, so just talk to us a little more about your England ambitions and, you know, have you, have you received any sort of communication from the team management or selectors about, um, you know, when or if you know you will be making an appearance for England um firstly on the aspiration I just think you know what what kid doesn't want to represent their country I mean everyone you know whether they want to be a Wayne Rooney or they want to be a Jess Ennis or they want to be a you know potentially a Serena Williams over in the States or something you know I think that's kind of every kid's dream and you know that's that's no different for me you know obviously I'm not a well, I'm still 90, I'm still really a kid, but, you know, I think everyone kind of still has that aspiration. You know, it's the pinnacle of sport to represent your country. So, you know, it'd be a super exciting thing to happen, but, you know, I'm pretty pretty aware that, you know, I'm not there yet. And, you know, you've got to put in a lot of hard work because, like I said, that's, that's the best of the best. And, you know, to get up there, you've got to work hard and, you know, take nothing for granted, I think. And that's that's really important, you know. I've had a couple of chats with Lisa and it's very much just, just keep doing what you keep, keep doing what you keep, keep performing and, you know, use the Rachel Hayhoe and because it's a fantastic competition and, you know, have fun with that and, and play, play cricket and enjoy your cricket. And I think that's, 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 that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to play as much cricket as I can and learn as much as I can, hopefully come up, come on as much as I can. And, you know, we'll see that we'll see where that gets me, but you know, if, if I just play for the Sparks, you know, I'm, I'm happy playing for the Sparks. I love playing for the Sparks. You know, I've loved the last 
three and a half days of the Phoenix. You know, we've got a really good group of girls here and I'm really looking forward to this competition and everything that comes with it. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like, you know, you're trying to stay in the moment as much as possible and just think about what you have to do now. And, um, but, you know, perhaps I'm just projecting at this point because I imagine doing this all the time. I imagine, you know, hitting the winning six for Hong Kong at a World Cup final or a World Cup qualifier final. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, had like this daydream or just, uh, just this thought or this in your imagination, like, oh my God, I just took the last wicket for England in a World Cup final. And now, you know, now we're champions. Has, has any image like that ever appeared in your head? Definitely. I think I, everyone does. You'd, I'd be lying if I said not, wouldn't I? And you know, I watched, I watched Anya take the winning, Anya Shrubs will take the winning wicket in 2017. And I thought, poor, like, I want to do that. Like that's that's cool. And I think anyone who watched that and didn't think I want to do that is an absolute nutcase because <laughs> you know that's that's as good as it gets, and that's what everyone everyone thinks about and everyone dreams of. So you know, massively, you know, if it's you know, sometimes I'll get ridiculous and I've scored runs in my head, and then I realise no, no, that's not happening, is it? Um, but you know, I just think yeah, to really have that that kind of dream, and I think that really probably shows how much I just love the sport and love cricket and yeah definitely definitely have those have those dreams more often than not it's interesting you bring up the Anya Shrubsole wicket because I feel like that's the third time this week someone has mentioned that and just on a personal level as someone who also does follow India that is that that it's it's not ideal to relive that trauma for a third time this week um that's actually after uh, one of my Pakistani friends reminded me of the Champions Trophy final. And that was <laughs> both I'm those sorry, things happening sorry. in the space of a month. Uh, four years on, it still gets to me. So um, thank you for uh, you know ending things on, on that note, Izzy. It's going to be not easy to sleep tonight. So thanks for that. But um, in any case, Izzy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Just to wrap things up, just um, you know, if people want more of Izzy Wong, you know, where do they find you, whether that's social media or anything like that? Um, obviously, you know, with the Birmingham Phoenix this summer, so, you know, tune into the 100. But, you know, obviously I'm social media, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Wongy95. Um, but, yeah, tune into the 100 and, you know, hopefully hopefully enjoy watching some cricket because I know I'm going to enjoy playing some. What's the What's the 95 about? <laughs> this is actually quite an embarrassing story. Um, you know the film Cars? From like 2006 yeah yeah the pixar one yeah it was my favorite film when i was when i was little i think i was like four when it came out and i just loved it and lightning mcqueen the main character the red car his number was 95 so when i first got asked for a shirt number it was just kind of the first thing i thought of i was like ah oh, like he was he was pretty cool and he had the number 95 so let's see if it works for me and it's kind of stuck really so yeah 95 brilliant now we've now we've got our podcast bonus content as well so we're all set oh, oh wow that is, that is some jersey it's it's cool isn't it it's yeah cool those things. Wow. a bit lightning mcqueen as well so i'm a massive fan <laughs> brilliant well thank you so much for coming on once again izzy thank you for listening you can find us on twitter and facebook at all over Crick. all over cricket is a multimedia publication featuring articles and podcasts from contributors spread across the world we provide fans with original and engaging content 
that reflects the truly global and gender-inclusive sport that we believe cricket should be. If you liked this podcast, please share it and tell your friends about All Over Cricket.